0: Hello there and welcome. This is Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. My guest today is Neil Elliott. He's a self-described cowboy turned successful entrepreneur and CEO. He's also the author of A Higher Road, which is a book about how to open your mind and consider new perspectives about life and I'm going to have so many questions about these conversations that I'm going to just say hello Neil and welcome to Back to Basics. Oh,
1: thank you Leticia. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, I'm looking forward to your questions and I'll I'll do my best at answering them.
0: Well, you know the, the good thing about the format of my podcast is that it's very conversational and I, you know, start from the origin story. I love to learn about my guests and you know your passions when you were a child. What resonated with you then? What did you dream about? And then, of course, since I know that you're a cowboy-turned-entrepreneur, I know that, that we're going to hear about some horses and and something along those lines. So why don't we start there, Neil?
1: Okay, well, uh, so I'll give everybody just a bit of an update in terms of who I am today. So born in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Lived in Canada my entire life, but I've traveled the world. Currently 61 years old. I'll be 62 in May. Uh, married with three kids and five grandchildren, and all my grandkids are Texans. So hmm. I'm a professional engineer with an MBA, and I've worked in the hydroelectric industry for over 30 years, 34, by Wow, way.
0: That, is, that is a summary. <laughs>
1: so that's a, kind of I a summary it. where I'm at. Um, so I'm youngest of six children, uh, born in 1960, youngest of six children. Uh, my father died when I was five, and my hmm. mother had to go out and get a job right away to support the family.
0: Oh wow, that must be hard.
1: Well, you know, for a 5-year-old it didn't make much difference. Well, it did make a difference because my mom wasn't around, but um, you know, I think it was that's pretty pretty tough for my mom, I think, to have six kids and uh and then be responsible for everything, right? So yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and and for you as a young child, where you, do you feel that even then you had, you know, like stable childhood where you were able to to dream and, and, you know, go around? And that's always what I'm looking about. What were you passionate about as a young child?
1: Well, you know, so, OK, so if you read my book, the first part, uh, well, second part of my book, first part's an overview. Second part is actually a memoir. Uh, so when you get to that, you'll learn about this in much more detail, but, um, that memoir I've put in there in a very candid way, and I'm typically a private person, but I put it in very candidly because I want everybody to understand that, um, how I created my every tomorrow and every event that came into my life through the thinking and feeling patterns that I adopted as a child. And Mm -hmm. so, yes, I think I had dreams when I was a kid. I can't really remember what they were other than I wanted to be, I wanted to win. My mom mentioned something about um, this after my dad died about somebody winning a million dollars and how nice that would be. And I glommed onto that. So um, I think my dream as a, as a kid uh, was really, I just wanted to somehow win a bunch of money and then uh, have this really nice lifestyle that didn't happen just so everybody knows.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I I was about to say, since you say you manifest, I'm like, did that happen? <laughs> well, but then I'm sure you created a more fulfilling life. So as 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 you became like. Uh, you know, a younger adult, were you clear about like what your path was going to be? I know you went, you know, you, you mentioned what you studied and all that, but was that an easy process for you? Like what to study and what to pursue no,
1: so, in terms of career? So I grew up in a small community south of Vancouver, British Columbia, and it was, you know, kind of metropolitan, it had running water and electricity and all of those kinds of things. My dad died when I was five, and my mom remarried a rancher. Uh, When I just turned 13, so I just completed grade seven, my mom married a rancher, ran 500 head of cattle, 130 head of horses, and it was in the middle of nowhere in northern British Columbia. So it was 500 miles from our doorstep, doorstep to doorstep was 500 miles north. And it was four ranches in this very remote community, the closest town, and you can't call it, couldn't call it a city back then, but the closest town was 130 miles away. And it was uh, Mm -hmm. 14 miles of paved road, the balance of 100 miles, so 86 miles of gravel road, and then 30 miles of dirt road. And uh, the closest neighbor was four miles away uh, from our doorstep. So we had 3,500 acres around the house and another 3,500 down at a lake about seven miles from our house. And then we had a range that was 20 miles by 40 miles and no running water, no real electricity, none of the conveniences. So it was a log cabin in the middle of the woods in a, in a nice field, but log cabin in the middle of the woods, outhouse, well water, and pretty Spartan um, lifestyle. So I went from this, you know, all the conveniences, electricity and running to- running water and toilets and all that kind of stuff, to this very spartan existence coal oil lamp and um and i spent and i did high school from grade eight to half of grade 11 by correspondence so on my own Mm. And, um, and i would just go out so i'd spend four hours a day from october to the end of march i'd spend four hours a day uh finishing my correspondence studies and then the balance of the day i'd be out on my horse hunting fishing all year round now this is a part of the country where you know the temperatures can go down routinely to, you know, 20 below goes down to 40 below for a few weeks at a time. And a, and a couple of times it went down to 60 below. So when it's that kind of really cold weather, you stay indoors, but other than that, you know, if it's 20 below or warmer than it was, and it is in Fahrenheit, 20 below Fahrenheit or warmer than, you know, out and about, you know, my dreams, I think changed at that point. And it was because now I was just exposed to, you know, kind of more of a rural area. And so I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Half of grade 11, I couldn't do the math. So I went back and I lived by myself in uh, my family home, five bedroom home. I lived by myself and I finished high school, half of grade 11 and grade 12. And then, uh, then I bumped around. I didn't really know what I wanted to do.
0: Wow, that is a fascinating <laughs> uh, background. I have to say, you're already like... Uh,
1: Yeah. So I, um, when I turned, I don't know, I got married when I was 20, first wife and we got divorced 14, 13 years later, but I got married first year, uh, when I turned 20. And right after that, I decided I would go to university. So, um, I just, I didn't have any counseling or anything. My uncle was a mechanical engineer. So I decided, Oh, engineering is the thing for me. So I went into um, university, I took an engineering degree, and then I got out and got into the hydroelectric industry, and then at Blasso as an employee to 2002, and then I went into consulting after that.
0: Hmm. And then it's an interesting path, and then somehow you got remarried along that path? Yeah,
1: so got remarried in 1995, no, I got remarried in 1998, divorced. And then I met a woman that uh, is my love of my life. And then we got married later on and we combined, we have a combined family. So she had a son and I had had a boy and a girl from my uh, previous marriage.
0: That's great. And the only reason why I'm getting to this and if the audience is like, why she wants to know if he remarries, because I know that part of the big part of what we're going to talk about, which is your book and the transformation that was prompted at some point in your life is that you described that a... You had sort of like a midlife crisis around when you were 57 and you describe like most people around you describe it like, you know, you have a successful career, great marriage, your kids, everything seemed good, but yet you hit rock bottom and you're not the first guest that has described a similar situation in Back to Basics. And that's really why this podcast exists, because I think so many people can relate to that, like the picture perfect or Almost picture perfect scenario, and uh, some people are content with it, and they don't even wonder if you know this is it. But there's a good chunk of us that say I'm meant to be doing something else, and I don't know what it is, and and I would love for you to take us to that whole rock bottom and what happened then.
1: Absolutely. So from 2002 to 2015, the thinking and feeling patterns that I developed and reinforced from childhood slowly took hold and drove me to this deep and despondent depression so in 2015 i realized i was really deeply depressed and so i picked up some spiritual books and uh, some other books and tried to change how i thought and uh, i spent a couple years on that and i wasn't really successful so when late 2017 rolled around our we built this beautiful waterfront house in 2010 outside of the city, but in that area, in the two, so we own the property since 2007, but in, in 2008, when the crash of the market was the whole economy, uh, uh, real estate market collapsed in that area. And so we had our house for sale for over five years and, uh, we couldn't sell it. And it was just this most amazing, fantastic waterfront home, beautiful. But the uh, burn rate required to maintain that home was huge. We needed a place in that. We need to rent a place in the city or stay in hotels to, to service clients. And then we live four hours away at this waterfront home. So it was pretty expensive. And finally the house sold in 2017, late 2017. And my wife got on a plane this is in November. My wife got on a plane. She went to uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada to visit her brother and family and I sat down at this little one bedroom, rental apartment, kitchen table and crafted my suicide note. And oh my I God. just, I got to the point where I couldn't change how I thought and life was just entirely miserable. I was not, I felt like there's no point in it. There's no purpose in life. It's just, I'm working hard. I spend lots of money. I earn lots of money and, uh, but nothing good was coming out of it for me. And, uh, no one knew because we're all great actors are in our environment. We can project whatever we want to family and friends. And so you can never accurately judge the inner reality of another person, no matter how affable and kind and considerate they are. You can never really tell what their experience of life is like. And, Mm. uh, so I sat down crafted the suicide note but I had uh, received about a week before that some material, and I call it a blueprint document. I'd received some material that promised to liberate me from my thinking. And I thought, okay, well, I was planning it out, my suicide out. So that being an engineer, planning my suicide out, that um, get my make sure my wife would be financially okay, say goodbye to family and friends without them knowing what I was going to do. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll put that aside because I can always do that. But as soon as I do it, I I have no other chance at this. I was looking for anything. I was desperate for this, something that would transform how I thought. So I started studying this material. I thought if it worked great and if it doesn't, then I can always pull the trigger on the suicide. And a year later I woke up and I realized my depression was totally gone. I was full of this inner peace and love and joy. And I felt totally prosperous and abundant. And late december 2017 so about 13 months after i started this process i i went into two meditations that were two days apart as you go through this process and you go through these meditations you you go through different levels of uh vibrational frequency of consciousness and i went into this state of being totally and absolutely enveloped in unconditional love i felt non-judged I didn't care what happened in my past. I didn't care what how what aches my body had. I didn't care about anything. I would just felt totally cradled, enveloped, bathed in unconditional love. It's like we don't even have the language to describe how I felt. And I had two of those back to back, two of those meditations back to back. And I knew then the new knowledge I gained and the process I followed was true. And I wanted then to share with everybody. And I thought, well, if I got on the rooftops to shout this out, which is what I wanted to do, I thought I'd be looked at like an idiot and no one would listen to me anyway. Mm -hmm. So it took me a couple of years to figure out the best way to do that is to share this process and the seven steps that I followed and the information and the new knowledge I gained in a book. And my goal is to help change the consciousness of the world, one person at a time. To bring this whole world into a new state of uh, a new era of love and peace. Because when you can change your consciousness and you can view things differently and you understand what our purpose is and how we create every event and every experience that comes into our lives through our thinking and our feeling, you can make a conscious choice of transforming your life. Or Mm, continue on like you are. (laughs) Your choice. Yeah
0: that is so powerful and and i thank you for sharing that actually i had someone else actually uh melissa and dog toy founder which anybody that has kids who know melissa bernstein she shared on the show that she for a year she carried a pill a box of pills in her pocket and this is someone a billionaire someone that has everything just like what you're describing and for a year she kept it in her pocket just in case you know, she she couldn't come out of it. It's so similar in your stories. And I'm curious because I asked her the same question, and this is something that would be very helpful. So let's say we have people in the audience that are going through what you described, you know, facing a challenging, difficult moment. They see no exit. You know, I believe one of the biggest problems is you, usually when you're in that state of mind, you're not open to new perspectives, and I know a lot of what you write about is, you know, is it even possible to consider a new perspective when you are in that state of mind? Obviously, something happened within you that you gave that material a chance. What can you say? Or what did you feel anything? What can you say to someone going through that dark moment and they don't believe that, you know, there's a way out?
1: Well, I think it's a, it's a couple things. One is that first I'll say that no matter where you are in life, whether you're ill or healthy, happy, depressed, you know, live on the street or live in a mansion, given the new knowledge and the right process, you can totally transform your life. But, you know, the, uh, the other thing I will say or and the other thing I will say is that it's only through lessons of suffering does the journeying soul gain self-knowledge to retain individuality after discarding the ego. And so when you understand what are the evolutionary uh, process that our souls go through and how and why the universe was created and how we use the laws of the universe moment by moment to create every experience and every event into our life, and you understand this based in science. And then, uh, so my book is, is based in science and then Bridges to Spirituality when you understand the mechanics of all of these things and you need to be open to it. So I have crafted a higher road to take you through a process that I went through that opened me up to accept this new information without judge, without prejudgment and uh, coming at it like a, a small child with curiosity and wonder. And when you do that, and if you can maintain that curiosity of wonder i tell you you follow the process you gain this new knowledge and then you have these experiential moments in meditation where you feel this inflow of energy into your body and into your head and into your mind you will know that what you know is true and so i would say to anybody that's in that spot you know there's a purpose it was it For me, that dark, depressed state and feeling like I just wanted to end it all, that's what got me to the point of where I was open and willing to look at anything. And the fortunate thing for me was the right information came along at the right time, and I was open to looking at it. And by having that openness to look at it, which you had mentioned earlier I was able to, you know, follow this process and totally transform my life. Totally transform how I think.
0: Wow, that's powerful. I I love uh, the, how you share it and and the fact that you wrote a book and that your mission is now creating that awareness. I created a podcast, but it's kind of similar mission, which is, you know, if we had had this conversation offline, I would have left it saying, "Oh, I wish, I wish others, I wish my friends, I wish my husband had." Listen to that because it's so full of good information, even if you're not in that moment where you feel desperate. But that openness, you know, one of my mottos is to embody possibilities. I, I love to make the impossible, the idea of making the impossible possible. I love that idea. And, and you know, sometimes it takes me too many Discussions because people are like that's impossible that's never going to happen that that time and then, so I say but you you know what what if it does happen because you you hear stories like that all the time so I'm. I'm always like excited about that that world of possibilities, and and so I, I thank you for sharing that you created you know that process in your book, and so we will obviously have all the data about link about a higher road. But is there a possible that I know you describe seven steps on the book? Could you walk us you know high level into some of those steps or concepts that that you share on the book? Oh,
1: so what? So uh, yeah, I can do it at a very high level because you really need to digest. You know, so for me, because I'm an engineer, you know, things that we can observe, measure, calculate were important for me to understand and build this foundation for me to be open. So I've shared all of the material that I've used in a higher road to do that. And then this blueprint material, I've I've gathered it all together. And when people go through a higher road and so my recommended way to read a higher road is read it cover to cover, understand the process in its entirety and make a decision for yourself of whether it resonates with you. If it does, then you go back and start with some of the science material, or you start directly with step one. When you get to the step where you need this compendium, this blueprint of information, then you will reach out to me and I tell you how to do that, and I will provide that to you for free. So Hmm. the first step is really to stretch your consciousness, is to have a new concept of what consciousness is. And so in the book, I use science, I leverage science and I leverage a near death experience, uh, from another author to do that. So just stretch really your concept of consciousness. The second step is I unveil these new truths. I learned with this new knowledge, uh, step three is really a reflection step. And it's a, it's a step only for you. It's only for your eyes and it's for you to sit down and write yourself a letter. You, you, I'll, you know, you're, I've taken you through the process of how to do this. You write yourself a letter about how you really feel about life, you know. And this is for the raw honesty to be written in this letter. You don't show it to anybody. It's not to present to a god. It's not to present to your wife or your spouse or your family or your friends. It's only for you. You're going to write it, and so you just be really truthful with yourself. And it takes some. Courage to do that. Even uh, my suicide note was, um, you know, kind of my record of this. And then you're going to seal it and you're going to put it away for a year. And um, and the reason you're doing that is because you need to document how you really feel to be able to understand a year later, or six months later, a year later, two years later, um, how you have really changed in terms of how you think step four is really to so we as we grow from childhood so when you when you're born i'll talk about step four in a minute but when you're born the brain doesn't uh, develop till age five to make its own choices and so in those first formative years that you're born you're really just a sponge you're absorbing uh, all of your parents you know attitudes and beliefs and language etc and then when you're age five or so you start making choices for your own really when we're growing up we think we're becoming versed in the ways of the world but what we're really doing is we're shutting ourselves off from the light from our connection to our source this is the divinely ordained process it is the creation of the ego and the ego is to do this and part of this reason you'll learn about this is uh the evolutionary process of the soul so step four is how you cleanse your consciousness, things that we have adopted as these thinking patterns of behavior, and you, you embed them in your subconscious and your unconscious mind, and they become programmed ways of thinking and feeling. You, you need to cleanse all of those things that are contrary to unconditional love. So there's a process to do that. Then you're going to rebuild your consciousness, and you're going to rebuild it in a way that is consistent with um, where you came from and you came from unconditional love, you're going to rebuild your consciousness to be consistent with that, then you're going to learn a daily meditation that's required to actually do this work. That meditation is a meditation where you go into the silence and the stillness of the mind. And you'll learn how to do this. And uh, it needs to become a daily process for you, whether it's 10 minutes a day or whatever. I meditate between 90 minutes and two hours every morning that's me you don't have to if you start with 10 minutes that's good and then step 6 is really a rinse and repeat you got to go back and you got to this is not there's no instant gratification here <laughs> you've got to go back yes, and do yes. this work life is a journey within and you need to go through this process to in in order to understand your truth to stand in the light of the truth you need to be willing to relinquish the shadow of the ego and you need this process to do this. And when you understand how and why, what was before the Big Bang, the impetus for the Big Bang, what ha- came at the time of the Big Bang, and then how we use the creative tools of the universe to create every experience in our life, you understand all these mechanics that we now know in science, but don't understand. When you understand these mechanics, you, when you go through this process, you learn how to do this, you know why you're doing it and you learn how to do it and you'll just you go back and you do this and and for me at the seven month mark i started to feel this little tingling at the top of my head and it was about the size of a dime i didn't know what it was but what it was was i was creating new brain cells at the um, top of the brain underneath the skull and it was in, they were impressed with new knowledge and they vibrated at a higher frequency Right today, you could put a bowl over my head that goes to the bottom of my ears, and that opening is the entire part of my head. And in order for you, the, our source of being, whether you call it God, Yahweh, Allah, source of our being, our creator, whatever you want to call it, radiates unconditional love to us 24-7. But it is a so, so spiritually refined and such at a high frequency of vibration that it cannot make itself known to you until you start to raise your vibrational frequency of consciousness of your human consciousness and when you do this then you make this connection and when you make this connection then you start getting uh help from the divine to help you go through this process and when you do that you cleanse your consciousness you rebuild it and you become an embodiment of unconditional love it does not happen overnight there's a lot of work to be done But I can tell you the reward is just incredible and amazing and your life will entirely change.
0: Wow. And that's why we need engineers in the world, because you have explained this just to lay that process. I mean, I've had many, many guests on this show talking about the same things, but really a handful of scientists or engineers that have been able to put it in a way where I know that. Personally, I've taken a few of those steps, maybe not in a seven step process, but that I've gotten there here and there. And I want to check it out because I'm like, I want to check it out because maybe in my intuition, I mean something that I need to be doing and that uh, you will awaken that in me. So I, I thank you for that. It's definitely th- something that I think. The audience will be curious to to look into and uh, and I've taken a lot of notes, which you know I do in the in the in the in my best episodes. So as as we get and I I can feel that I can talk for hours, but I know one thing that is dear to me. And now that we have just coming out of the entire COVID thing, we're in the midst as we are taping of this war with Russia. And there's this whole you describe the path for the individual, you know, evolutionary process. What about the collective? Like you know, more and more we feel that as so we embark in that uh, self-discovery journey, and then you have to interact with your collective, where people are screaming at each other, are intolerant. You really don't sense that unconditional love that you're describing in the collective. What can we do? Like, how do we raise that consciousness, or how we even align the individual with the collective? A
1: great question, not a short answer. That's okay. So first off, uh, well, I don't know about first. Off. Okay, so this I haven't thought about this before, so it's going to come out perhaps a little disjointed. So give me a moment here. So
0: that's okay. Brainstorming. Is good.
1: <laughs> so first, that you need to recognize that your soul you have let your ego take control of your life and behave in the way it does so your ego only has these mechanisms of electromagnetism so this is all described by the way but what your ego does is it can only draw things to you that you like and enjoy through this bonding mechanism or attraction mechanism so anything you like. So I like that chocolate cake. I like that car. I like that house. I want to go to that place. I like those people. You you bond with them and you bring them to you. For safety and security, you reject things you don't like. So the second force of electromagnetism is you push things away. So I don't like those people. I don't like that event. I don't want to go there and um you know i don't want to live in that area but i do you know but i do want to go to that area so these are the only mechanics that your ego can use as tools of creativity so you think with electrical impulses in the brain you feel with magnetic impulses in the nervous system the magnetic impulses in the nervous system center and bond your electrical impulses you create this blueprint of consciousness that you magnetize with repeated thinking and behavior patterns to draw to you a like event or like experience in the future. When you have magnetized it enough, it will draw that same event into the future for you. So in A Higher Road, I describe in 2011, what I did unknowingly, ignorantly, and um, you know unwittingly. I did something every day for a year that manifested a $60,000 hard talk. Lexus convertible into my life a year later. No idea how I did that. I thought I was just lucky. Later in the book, I describe the exact mechanisms that we use in the universe that we know in science, but don't understand how or why they work that you use moment by moment in your life to draw these things into your life. So I describe later in the book, how I use the mechanics. I use all the mechanics of the universe to describe why and how that Lexus came into our, my life your thinking and feeling whether it is a loving thought um and a loving feeling or it's a hateful vengeful you know judgmental thought you like attracts like so if you have these critical judgmental denigrating slanderous thoughts and associated feelings, you're still going to attract those kinds of experiences into your life. And those kinds of experiences are the one that creates the misery that we all experience. So now that I've set that up, your ego is in control until your soul wakes up and realize what it's doing to itself. And it may be in this lifetime, it may be in some future lifetime. When it does, it begins this process to actually shed all of these things that are Um, inconsistent and incongruent with the source of our being you need to go through this process in order to transcend your ego so you are in complete alignment with the source of our being and that is unconditional love and your soul everybody's soul is equal your soul is a fragment of divine consciousness it comes from unconditional love It's the law of cause and effect. So, you know, when you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. You don't get lemon juice. So you are a creator being to a very limited extent through your thinking and feeling. And you create these experiences so your soul can learn the lessons it needs to learn over many lifetimes in different genders, different places of origin, different skin colors, different religions, different educational experiences, poor and wealthy, all these various things, different languages different religions so now when i see somebody i see them i see their soul perfect and equal to my soul and anything that they're doing any of these reprehensible things that they're doing to each other is just i recognize is just the the laws of the universe their egos in control and their soul has not yet woken up so i see them with unconditional love i may not agree with what they're doing but it is still uh, a motion it is still based in unconditional love and it is the process that they need to go through to wake up to be able to start to begin to connect back with the divine so yes individually we create these things we draw into our life collectively with consistent thinking so through the movies we watch, through the radio we listen to, through the podcasts we listen to, for what we see on the news and what we watch in TV, what we read in newspapers, creates this collective consciousness of negativity, of denigration, of judgment, of criticism, and we collectively put in motion these experiences and events that will collectively be brought into manifestation you cannot escape this it is the process of consciousness it is consciousness and movement and movement and consciousness and things that have already been put in place may take 10 20 30 40 50 years to come into form they must and will come into form because it is a law of the universe so our situation around the world is likely in my opinion going to get much worse before it gets better. And the, what you can do is you can transform your consciousness. You can start to be consistent and express yourself and feel and think consistently and congruently with the source you're being. And as you do that, you will be a bright light in your world and you will start to attract people to you to understand what it is that you've been doing. And through your actions and expressions of unconditional love, you will eventually start to help others take this same path, however they do it. And then as we individually change, our collective consciousness will start to change and then we'll start to manifest, you know, peace and plenty and love and all the other things that we enjoy.
0: That's a great explanation. I think that that's why I, I always get afraid with going to the movies because barely you can find a cheer-up movie anymore. Like, I don't know why, but people, humans, we like all this. We manifested a pandemic because all the movies seem to be about a pandemic, about destruction, about the world coming to an end. And these are the blockbusters. And the ones that are, you know, about feelings and emotions and all these, they get ridiculed and, and made fun of. And so there must be something, but I, I do like uh, that theory because it kind of validates. So Neil, as we of course don't have a limited time, I want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything else that you're working on that is exciting? Any work in progress? Anything you want to share with the audience at this point that we haven't discussed? Yeah,
1: you know, so we didn't discuss this. So I'll just I'll answer your question, but let me just say this: If you think what you eat, the nutrition you eat, is important for your body, what you feed your mind is more important for your overall well-being and your spiritual development and ascension than anything that you eat. You reinforce your thinking patterns and you are influenced by the movies and the things you watch. So all those things that you watch, they're the things that wake you up in the middle of the night. They're the things that you worry about or postulate on. They're the things that keep you locked in your current patterns of thinking. And so you need to actually understand that what you feed your mind is what you will end up thinking about. And those are the kinds of things that you will manifest in your life. So you so you need to change that if you want to change your life. I am working on being able to share my message in a way which brings more people to be curious so that they can learn this process. And there will be another book but uh, it might not be for a year or two because right now what I'm personally, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to share this message. I think I've been on, I don't know, 40, 48 podcasts so far, and it has evolved since I started this process in terms of how I tell this story. So I think every time I do this, I'm getting, you know, there's more evolution in how I describe this and, and uh, say it. And, uh, you know, my goal is to, I wish everybody in the world would read my book to make a decision for themselves. There's no right or wrong. It's just, you know, I, I don't know, you know, if you actually understand these mechanics and you actually understand it, you have the chance to transform your life if you want to. And if you don't, that's fine. But if you want if you want a world, that's different, a world where we, don't judge and criticize and, and judge people by the color of their skin or where they're from or their places of origin or how they speak or what they do. You need to change how you think. It's not up to anybody else. It's only up to you. You have control over your life and you've got to take this journey within.
0: Well, and I thank you for, you know, taking the time and writing a book. I would definitely check it out because you've inspired me to to want to learn more. And I, we will have all the links on the show notes. And so, you know, before I say goodbye, I have to ask you one last very important question in Back to Basics, which is in the darkest times today, besides the meditation, because someone that meditates two hours, I'm sure that makes you tick. Anything else that makes you take and connect to your soul and to the essence of who you are?
1: You know, meditation, understanding this knowledge, and then meditation, This is; these are the most important things to do. You've got to go into the silence and the stillness. The source of our being is in silence and stillness. It is in equilibrium. And in order for you to connect with it, you need to go into this process. It's the most important process.
0: Well, that's that's uh, good, good uh, advice. So, well, Neil, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to to me and share your knowledge with with my audience. And and I really wish you the best of luck and thanks for being a guest.
1: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate being here. And uh, just to make sure everybody knows the book is called A Higher Road and it's by D. Neil Elliott. And as you said, all the links are there. And if you want to go check me out on a website the easy way to get to my author website is a
0: thank you so much neil and uh, to all of you out there thank you so much and until the next episode of back to basics you've been listening to back to basics you can follow us on instagram and facebook if you haven't yet subscribe rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.